You put all your warts and all into your podcast. Like, I know some of the worst things about you because of your podcast. <laughs> oh, Welcome to Mosaic of China, a podcast about people who are making their mark in China. I'm your host, Oscar Fuchs. But is it really Mosaic of China? Actually, no, because as this is the final episode of the year, I've decided to switch it up and put something special in your podcast feed today. It's the audio of a chat from another Shanghai-based English-language podcast called The Honest Drink, hosted by Justin Yang, Howie Go, and Eric Shang. It's called The Honest Drink because they make sure everyone is plied with alcohol during the recording, so the resulting conversation is very uninhibited. The other part I like about this show is when the three hosts just talk among themselves, because they're all American Chinese guys, and it's interesting to listen in on how they see the world through this specific lens. Mostly I agree 100% with what they say, other times I want to bash their heads together for only seeing things through this lens, but they always do a great job of keeping it real. Let me also offer some more context. The recording was made a few weeks ago, just before I started the mammoth task of recording the 30 new episodes for Season 3 of Mosaic of China. So you'll hear that I was stressed out about that. At one point, Eric says that he tries to keep outwardly optimistic as a way of countering his more pessimistic inner voice. And of course, the same can be said for me and for Mosaic of China, which has specifically been designed to sidestep negativity and to focus more on people, culture and lifestyle. What you'll hear in this episode is much more of that inner voice that I don't usually share, which isn't just because of the effort of producing this podcast. It's also to do with the crunch point that many international people in China are facing right now. In COVID times, it has been incredibly complicated to leave and come back to China. So after two years of playing wait and see, many people are deciding to leave for good, including foreigners who have been here for decades, even including some mainland Chinese who are separated from loved ones overseas. That's not to say that they dislike China. Far from it. We've all been grateful to be here. It's just that we are all having a taste of what it meant to be emigre in the past, or indeed refugees in the present, when leaving your home country meant that you don't have the luxury of returning. Until now, we've always had the privilege of having the best of both worlds. But now, none of us know whether we're living in a COVID phase or a COVID era, so there are difficult choices to be made. Having said that, difficult choices are still choices, so we're still privileged in that sense. And to end on an even more optimistic note, as I speak today, I have now recorded 18 of the new episodes, so I'm hopefully on track to launch the new season in spring of next year. Having offered my respect to Justin, Howie and Eric, I've also disrespected them because I've edited the original audio by beeping out the worst of the swearing and chopping off about 30 minutes of the conversation. So if you want to hear the original, please go and find episode 99 of the Honest Drink podcast wherever you're listening to this. And while you're there, go ahead and subscribe. Here's wishing you all a great end to the year, and I'll be back again with the next compilation episode from season 2 in January. We got a fun one today. Our guest is the host of the Mosaic of China podcast. It's a popular and wonderful podcast with a diverse range of guests exploring the lives of people who are making their mark in China. We share many laughs along the way. It was such a great time talking to our guest. So without further ado, please welcome Oscar Fuchs.
that means nothing to me. It means it's good. It means it's good, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but if it's too good, then don't waste it on me. That's also the issue. Uh, you're too polite, Oscar. You're too polite. I'm English. We're not really polite. We just use it as a weapon. Yeah. <laughs> here, let's, uh, get, get, let's uh, here, make your own gin and tonic, however you like to make it. Do you have any lime, by the way? I do not. Okay. I'm sorry. Fail. Ooh. What is what is this amateur production we're, we're running? Yeah, here? man, a gin tonic without lime. All right. <laughs> no, no, wait, hold on. Let's do the whiskey okay. first. Okay. Oscar, you say you you hate whiskey. Is that what? Oh, that... uh, well, are we already recording? Yeah, sure. we are. Oh, we're rolling. <laughs> yeah, we are hot. Wait, what did I say until now? <laughs> uh, I have never been able to drink whiskey. I've tried. It's one of those things where I know I should like it, and everyone's a connoisseur with whiskey, so I keep on trying to train myself. <laughs> And each time I end up failing. So let's see if it well, works Well, what is it time. about it that... I just, I can't tell you why, because I quite like strong tastes. And this is... Tsong Wei. Yeah. I like, I like strong Ko Wei. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> strong Ko Wei. The Tsong Ko Wei can go a lot of ways. <laughs> well, yeah. I don't know. Let's see what, let's see what oh, happens. Cheers. Okay. Cheers. Uh, cheers. cheers to a uh, shot cheers. of whiskey. Cheers. cheers. I mean, it's not bad. It's not bad, right? <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Oh, there it is. Dude. Like the bong hit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, my mouth is on right. fire, guys. It wasn't good, bad, though. though. That actually wasn't bad. Yeah, yeah. Nice. It had kind of a honey finish yeah. I liked. It's nice. Yeah. How, how would that rank for you guys? You're the connoisseurs here. Um, well, actually, we're really not that knowledgeable We're just about the whiskey. consumers. Yeah, we're just consumers. <laughs> Beautiful. I feel... Slightly victimized, but thank you very much. <laughs> Here, make uh, make your drink. You're gonna do a gin and tonic. Thank you. I will. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna do we're gonna do some rum today. I mm. always like it when we go back to the roots of honest drink. I think there What's was the a roots. The, well, the roots were in the very beginning. We had a little bit of a ritual with with um, the drink. You with mean? the drink, yeah, yeah. bringing it out. What we're gonna drink? T- you know, kind of tasting a little bit. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um. Well. Cheers. Cheers. Okay. Cheers. cheers. It's good okay. stuff. Good, good stuff. I'm happy. Well, Oscar, first of all, um, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm absolutely honored to be here. I'm so excited that you're here. <laughs> um, you you do amazing work with uh, Mosaic of China. Well, thank you. It, it's a different vibe for me whenever I can get another podcaster onto the show. We kind of started off at the same time, right? Is that like right. last time we spoke, we kind of realized our podcast, we started around the same time, right? About two like years around, ago. yes, around summer 2019, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's really great to have you here to share this journey with you and totally. get your take on it as well, because we're kind of from the same tribe as podcasters. And I really appreciate that. Oh, I feel it, man. I am so excited. And maybe I speak for your listeners too, because just being here and sort of in the exalted room where you do your podcast, it's, it's like being in the room with friends that I've known for a long time, which I think is the way that you've been able to produce your podcast, which I'm supremely jealous of. <laughs> the first time I met you, right, and I feel like there was this like mutual respect. Like podcast in Shanghai, like the bar was Mosaic of China. Oh, dude. Yeah, like, because that's <laughs> the one I knew, I heard of first. Oh, okay. And so I, just, I had the impression that you were around for a really long time. So to me, it was like Mosaic of China was kind of like that bar set here locally in terms of podcasting. Well, that's very kind. I think it's a function of knowing how to make myself look bigger than I actually am. I think when I was actually in business, that was part of what we did as well. Like you are a small minnow 
but you learn the tricks of how to make yourself look like the big shark. Yeah, you swim like a big shark. You swim like a big shark. And that's, I mean, that's part of my delusion, in fact. Well, is it kind of like the same philosophy, like fake it until you make it kind it of thing? It is sort of, but then you can't fake it to the extent that, you know, there's there's nothing underneath. You're just some souffle. Like there has to be some substance. So you, you can't sort of say something which you're not, but you can project an image that's larger than your actual size. That's, mm-hmm. that's what I'm getting for. But again, I don't think I do a good job of that. I think you guys are killing it. Like, I think you have a lot more support than I have. And you are under the radar for me because I spend most of my time in my cave just doing my project. And then when I found out about you guys, I'm like, okay, what the hell is this about? Let me me listen to a few of these things. And I got into it despite myself. Despite myself, I really got into your podcast. And I... I am not supposed to like your podcast. I think you and I talked about this when we met. Like, on the surface, I do not like the idea of your podcast. It's like an hour and a half long. It's just too long. (laughs) There's three dudes talking about (laughs) in a room, drinking bloody whiskey. Who I can't drink whiskey either. I'm like, ugh, I don't know why these guys are popular, but I'll dip into a few episodes. And I was hooked. So... I know exactly the feeling of your listeners because, you know, for me, just feeling the energy of your conversations, I felt the realness there. And that was what I think I was jealous of because I think a lot about my podcast, it's of course real, but it's a lot more measured. It's a lot more controlled. controlled. There is a very specific format, which I like. I like having a format to play with. And then you having this freestyle, like no holds barred chat it works. And it actually, it's the heart of what podcasting should be about. So when I listen to you, I feel like, ah, you know, that's what I miss in my podcast. It's that energy that you bring every single time. And I'm not talking about myself. I'm actually talking with the listener in mind. I'm sure people are there nodding. And like, I wish I was in that room talking with with the guys too. Because I feel like, in every conversation you've had, I would have liked to have been in that room saying, oh, yeah, yeah, and my point is this, my point is that. So, yeah, I'm not sure what I do lends itself to the same kind of informal way that, that people outside can, can be part of the actual experience. But, like, what the most surprising thing after having met you was that you are, you are such a bright personality, right? Like, there, you are so dynamic. There, there's so much to you. That I honestly, like, I'm going to tell you straight to your face, I feel like it doesn't come out in, in your podcast, right? right? And you, you give too much ground, I feel, to your guests. <laughs> well, because yeah. they're interesting people, number mm. one. But I feel like there's a lot, so much you can add just knowing you, meeting you in person and seeing, like, this personality. I feel like there's so much charisma you can still add to your show that probably your listeners don't know unless they've met you. Right. I mean, I, I can't agree with that because I don't know how to to take that compliment. But (laughs) yeah, I mean, it is what I've been struggling with. And this is why I'm keen to talk to you today, actually, because I'm at the process now where I'm in the middle of two seasons. So I'm producing my next season now. And I have this space to rethink, well, how do I approach the next season? In what way do I carry on? In what way do I slightly change things? So yeah, this conversation is happening at the right time. To what extent should I inject more from myself? But the alternate thing is, to me, it's an exercise in humility in some way, because I do have quite a healthy ego. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not something I particularly like putting out there, which mm. is why I like you guys, because you put all your warts and all into your podcast. Like, I know some of the worst things about you because of your podcast. <laughs> oh, 
But that's the beauty of it. Awesome. That's the vulnerability that I don't think I quite have the balls to put out at the moment. Everything I do is authentic. But, you know, we're all in some ways performative, right? You have a work persona, you have a persona which you use in friends. Like, we all know how to act differently in different situations. And so, for me, you know, I did think very carefully about what is the side of me that I will put out and what I wouldn't. So, that's what I think I need to recalibrate, you know. And finding your podcast, getting into it, being reminded about what podcasting is all about, meeting you guys, you know, all of that is part of the same process. We can learn from each other, you know, There's, it's it's not about competing, like my podcast versus your podcast. I, I love your podcast and I'm proud of mine. It, it's it's not a kind of zero-sum game, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it, was, it was a very, um, you know, you were talking about your first reaction when you first came across before you started listening to us. And to be honest, it was a similar reaction on on my end. In terms of like, there is that natural competitiveness, I guess, especially when we're in a space and in the place where it's very niche, right? And so every other podcast that comes out, there's a little bit of competitiveness, like all of a sudden, like, like who's oh, this? Like, guy? Yeah, who's this guy? Who's this? <laughs> who's this new kid on the block? Right? <laughs> yeah. And then, but then, like after having met you, I'm so I'm so grateful for having met you, and that we can share this and we can work together. And we can even help each other. Like, like I don't see you, I honestly don't see you as a competition right now. I see you as a resource and a help. Awesome. You know, Me too. And, and, yeah. and inspiration in many ways. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you've already heard. I mean, I, I'm not faking that myself. And yeah, I mean, I've met other podcasters where I thought I'd have the same conversation. We meet for a drink and then the other side just shuts down, becomes hostile. And I'm like, what, what the hell is the point of that? Like, mm. I just don't understand that. And it's not like I'm not competitive either. Like like I said. Like they don't want to share trade secrets. They don't want to share anything. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, which studio do you use? I'm not telling you. Wow. Like, okay. I, I feel like we were sharing everything the first time oh, we met. <laughs> totally. I mean, we had a couple of cocktails too. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, I mean, that's the spirit in which I reached out to you. Like I had heard about your podcast. I reached out to all three of you separately. And I, <laughs> I've got to say, that's where your characters all came out and I'm looking at you, Eric. Because <laughs> now it's time to talk about Eric. Because, because you're reading Eric. Up. <laughs> okay, because let's bring some context. Yeah. When we first met, it was just me and Howie. This is your first time actually meeting Eric. It is. And it's a pleasure. And we've just had a, a brief introduction for 10 minutes. Out of the three of you, you were, you were the most guarded when I reached out to you. So I think it was Howie first I reached out to. I said, like, hey, Howie, I heard your podcast. I'm also a podcaster. You know, we should meet up. You know, we're doing the same thing. Great to know what you're doing. Justin is a bit, a bit later, but similar story. And then, Eric, I reached out to you. And you were funny because your reply, I wish I remembered it, but it was, <laughs> it was like, oh, hi. Oh, you like the podcast? What's your three favorite podcasts <laughs> from The Honest Dream? That's so him. I was That's like, so oh, okay. No, I mean, I, I appreciated it because I could have just been playing smoke up your ass. I'm like, oh, what does this guy want? You know? And... You're like, okay, you said that you like it, prove it. Prove I want it. the three. And I was like, ah, oh, okay. You are definitely yourself in the podcast because that's the side that I relate to most. It's yeah, not... he was saying that he relates to you the most. Oh, yeah. yeah, you guys are kindred yeah. spirits. I relate yeah. to you well, the most. Um, no, a couple of funny things. Now, I could talk all day as well. And we, you know, we've developed a certain chemistry and we're also trying to calibrate as well. I think we have a great thing. Like, we definitely... Um, really enjoy doing this and we've had our ups and downs and it's been a, a, a wild ride, you know, for a couple of years. And, um, and our feelings 
about the show, about each other have evolved over time as well. I mean, really ups and downs. Like, I mean, 180 degrees, like the first, you know, batch of episodes, it was a lot of just like, we didn't really know what we were getting into, you know, and we we're trying to find our footing. Recently, as we start that same thought process, right? Because we're, we're in about the same part of our journey. It's like, okay, well, what do we like about this? What do other people like about this? Where do we get our energy? And spending so much time together, doing something together, inevitably there's going to be much more friction. Okay, you're doing this recalibration. So why are you doing this podcast? Have you, have you figured that out? Yeah. Once people know you have a podcast, right? Um, and once you start doing a podcast, inevitably conversations with people in your community will come up about the podcast because people will be like, oh, you have a podcast. What's it about? Wait, let me interrupt you right there. Are you at the point now where you can say, I'm a podcaster or I have a podcast without feeling like you're a complete wanker? Yeah, I got, like, we have big egos. <laughs> like, no, like, but I mean, to meet somebody no. at a party and they say, oh, I've got a podcast, like immediately I would like run away. Like, oh, you're that person. There's always, <laughs> there's one well, wanker in every party and I am that wanker now. <laughs> well, no, I, and I, I appreciate your view on that. Um, and I suppose this goes back to some of your earlier very complimentary um, thoughts is that the show is a metaphor for life. The show is a journey. The show is a way that we're going to improve as human beings. Please, please don't and, improve. I like your weaknesses. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think, there's I think so that's, many of them. I think that's what the thing is about the show, right? Yeah. Like, like, it's therapeutic in the sense that like honesty is a very tough it, it, it's tough and it's mm. scary. To be honest, we don't always achieve that. We're not always successful with that, even on our show. But I think for me, the driving force behind, at least I'll speak for myself, behind doing this podcast is the constant attempt to achieve that honesty. Mm -hmm. mm. Whether we fail or succeed, hey, but at least we're attempting and we're genuinely attempting to do that no matter what kind of conversation we're having. And that to me is always combined with a genuine curiosity is always to me kind of like my North star whenever I'm thinking like, Oh, well, what, what is this show about for me? I'm here for the alcohol. <laughs> so I'm just here to drink. I don't know. <laughs> um, but I mean, one thing that I've always kept harping on and I always still bring up uh, our backgrounds of yeah. being uh, American, but also Chinese, and the complexity of having both sides. Yeah. So that, to me, is always the crux of whenever we have conversations, I'm always constantly trying to think from that perspective. What makes us different from everybody else? I mean, you want to talk about complexity of life. I mean, I'm sure there are thousands of podcasts out there that talk about the complexity of life. You want to talk about curiosity and stuff like that. There are thousands of podcasts that talk about curiosity, but I can't name many podcasts that come from our perspective totally combining all that yeah so i think that's it that's yeah. it in a nutshell i think it, it combines the content and you guys's identity because that's that's the two circles of the venn diagram which you inhabit and that's i mean i'm also conscious of that because i'm a white dude in asia and i've got a <laughs> podcast called mosaic of china so i've got to be very careful with the identity side when i do my podcast like i try and keep my guests to a minimal when it comes to other white guys because like, it's not a good look to have two <laughs> white guys talking about china yeah. and that's another thing where actually you have an inbuilt advantage just with your identities where you can talk to anyone you can have a whole parade of white guys in and you still are diverse because of you three <laughs> whereas i'm always conscious of that 
Um, so Interesting. Think, yeah, yeah, totally, totally. It's part of my project is to have as diverse a slate of guests as possible. So do you have like a white guy quota in terms of like, it's like have, the China film quota? Yeah, I basically do. I have a diversity audit, I call it. And so because I can look at the whole season, so I do seasons of 30 episodes and it's on purpose so that I can look at that season and I can say, oh. okay, what, how many Chinese people do I have? I try and get usually 10 out of 30 to be mainland Chinese. And then out of the remaining 20, how do I split that in terms of nationality? Then I take a look at it again and I go, okay, that's just the identity side. What about what it is that they do? So I look, okay, how many do I have from the world of business? How many from arts? How many from science? How many from academia? And I make sure that that diversity is pretty well looked after. And then male, female, I have 50% male, 50% female. That's something which I will not negotiate on. So you will look, if you look at my podcasts, it's literally boy, girl, boy, girl, boy, girl. And then it, it comes down to LGBT as well. I have LGBT representation. You wouldn't know it to listen to it, but one in five of my guests are LGBT or queer in some way. We don't talk about it. It's not an issue. But it's, it's not the focus, right? It's not the focus, but it's, it's an underlying ethos in terms of what, what I'm doing, just to kind of riff off what you just said about your podcast. Just, it's, it's about celebrating the diversity of the human experience, as well as the fact that there is a universality. It's not about actually saying, oh, you're different. It's about saying, you're different and we're all the same. I can enjoy the differences and I can poke at the differences and that's interesting, but ultimately the human experience is exactly the same and it doesn't have to be mosaic of china it could be a mosaic of mozambique and it would be the exact same experience yeah i love that so your turn to answer the question oscar you see guys i managed to actually interview you guys on your show <laughs> you flipped <laughs> the tables for a moment <laughs> it's all a deflection tactic because i don't have the answer either um yeah my situation is slightly different to yours i started my podcast after i'd sold my company so i had a headhunting company for 10 or 11 years. I managed to sell my entire share without being needed to stay with the company beyond the sale, which was quite rare to actually be able to walk away. And it happened at a time that I wasn't expecting it. And I never really had a plan B, like, okay, I've sold my company now. If I was a true entrepreneur, I would have set up another company. But I realized, no, I don't want to do that. In fact, I'm quite allergic to the entire endeavor. So there was a bit of the, what do I want to do that makes me happy? But what also can I do that keeps me relevant? That was the ego side. And it's not just the, the ego. It's also what I enjoy, which is to be in the traffic of ideas. I think that's what I liked about being a headhunter. And I specifically headhunted heads of HR. So... That always meant that I could meet somebody from the tech sector one meeting. It could be pharmaceuticals the next meeting. It could be artistic the next one. So I was always kept curious during my 10, 11 years as a headhunter. And I wanted to somehow have something that could emulate that without the trappings of headhunting, which I did not like. And there was quite a few at the stage where, I mean, I was just burnt out. It's a long way of answering that question. You know, I don't want it to become something which I don't have control of, you know, something where it's a monster, which then I have to just keep on feeding somehow. And I know you guys go through this, right? I get you, like, oh, shit, I've got another episode coming up. We've got no guests. We've got nothing planned. Like, what the hell do we do? And suddenly it's like, wait, 
this is supposed to be fun. Like, why am I putting mm. pressure on myself? So I've, 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 I'm in that stage right this very moment when you're interviewing me. This is probably why it's on my mind because I've, I've got a lot going on right now which has started to stress me out. And so now I'm thinking, what, what the hell am I doing? Why am I stressing myself out? I've, I got it into my head that I will do a big tour of China and interview all the people who are coming up in the next season who are outside of Shanghai. Mm. I want to interview them all in person. On the road? On the road, face to face. Cool. That gives me a different perspective of China. It's not meant to be mosaic of Shanghai. Yeah. And then here's where it gets really wonky because if you have two good ideas, sometimes they can clash and it becomes one big stupid <laughs> idea. <laughs> and that's kind of what's happened now because I had another idea. So in my podcast... I have a second part of every interview where I ask everyone the same 10 questions. So there's a freestyle part at the beginning, and then there's a formulaic part in the second half. Yeah, like the rapid round. Or the... It's the rapid round. I love it because you get a very different style in those two parts. And then you can compare how 30 different people in the season answer the same question from their different backgrounds, different perspectives. And that's great to compare. I had the idea that, oh, you know what? I could try and get sponsors for those 10 questions. So the question on what's your favorite destination in China, I could have a travel agent sponsor that question and say, question two brought to you by blah, blah, blah is. And so that was a great idea. But now I've got three days before I start <laughs> the bloody interviews. And so I was writing a proposal about sponsorship, which I've never done. And reaching out to people saying, hey, um, what about this for an idea with no proven track record? And stressing myself out like an idiot. When I go to my first interview, what do I say? Do I actually have to ask two different versions of the questions? One, if I get this sponsor, one, if I don't have a sponsor. <laughs> what the hell am I going to do? And I haven't worked it out. And I'm just sat there going, this is a weekend and I'm stressed out sending proposals out. Why am I doing that? And a part of that is the vestigial business side of me, which I can't help but create something out of this project. And I'm thinking, why am I doing that? That's not why I started. And yet I need it almost as a kind of proof of concept that if I can get more buy-in, then it proves the concept more to me. And I'm thinking, is that why I'm doing it? Does that go back to your ego? Is that the ego speaking? I, th I think it is. But it's also, I'll tell you what it also is. It is because I'm proud of the content and I need to find creative ways that people would amplify my content. Yes. And that still is, I hope, what drives me. You know, when I lie in bed and question myself, like, why am I doing it? I hope it's that latter explanation and not so much the ego side. Yeah. So part of my psyche is to overcomplicate things. Sounds like, don't take this the wrong way. It sounds like it's really tough being you <laughs> in, the, <laughs> in the sense that like there's this duality to yes. you and they're conflicting and they're constantly bumping up against each other because everything that you're saying that brings you stress and pressure now was all brought on by yourself, mm -hmm. seeking them mm -hmm. out, mm -hmm. you know? Totally. So it's this constant like tug of war. Oh, you are watching a midlife crisis before your eyes. I was going to, I was going to bring that up. Oh, I was gonna wonder. I'm, a, I'm a walking midlife. I mean, <laughs> okay. Let, let me tell you what this is because when I talked to you before about when you meet somebody at a party, are you confident to say I'm a podcast without feeling that you are a wanker, right? Imagine if when you meet somebody at a party and the answer is, I'm retired. Like that's 
that's the stuff that I'm dealing with because that actually is my status. I've sold my company and I'm basically not going to work again. I'm retired. And when you meet somebody at a party and they say they're retired, I mean, why are you here? You might as well just be dead. <laughs> what, at what relevance do you have? You know? So I think going to absolute irrelevant obscurity is, to me, a scary chasm to look into. And I think that is the conflict. The conflict is I have this amazing luxury of doing what I want. And at the same time, I want to remain relevant. I still have value to society. It's the value to society. Yeah. It's kind of, what, why are we doing anything? When you are not defined by what you do, then actually, who are you? These are the big questions that yeah. you don't have time to ask yourself while you're busy working. None of you have really done that, I'm sure. You're, you are what you're doing and your podcast are on top. You have multiple yeah. identities. I can guarantee like, I, the average person would come up to you like that, that's a, like a worker, right? Will come to you and be like, oh my God, I'm so jealous of you. You're, you're retired? Uh, I mean, you have no worries, right? I mean, and I have to accept that. I mean, of course, I've created all the bullshit myself. Intrinsically, you're absolutely right. And I have to keep on saying that. I have to keep on saying that. But I'm a total idiot. And I won't, I won't take that as the gift that it is. I will overcomplicate things in a way that this is exactly why I relate to Eric. <laughs> because Eric is, out of the three of you, the least sort of happy-go-lucky. You're, you're the person who overthinks, over-questions, and that's why I really feel for you, because I'm sure if you were in my position, you'd be just as, as gnarled up as I am. I feel like we should definitely bring that up because Eric was not there when we were together, like talking. <laughs> and, we, and, and he did say that, like he, he felt that this relationship with, with Eric. And then and you, would you bring up, you brought up the ex, your Excel and you're like, I wish I could show Eric the Excel oh, that I, I made. Oh, I have bought it. Eric can pull out many Excels oh, right now. I would love to compete with you with the number of worksheets I have for the podcast. The workflows, and they're all color-coded. Oh, my God, they're beautiful. Eric's getting competitive now. He's like thinking, you don't have more than me, Oscar. You don't oh. have more than me. What I was thinking in my head, number one, is like your inner voice is really loud. Okay just like mine is, just like all of us, but like your inner voice is really, really loud. It's telling you all of these things. And sometimes it's telling you some great things like, oh, like Oscar, you're great. And then sometimes your inner voice is telling you, you're not good enough. It, you're not doing enough. What you're doing is not enough. And this whole notion of being relevant, it's like, it's almost like your inner voice is reflecting your own insecurities. Like that other person actually doesn't give a shit, potentially, right? But you're like, oh, I'm not relevant to myself almost. It's not that other person, right? At what point did achieving things and being relevant, when did that start mattering to you? Because I could pinpoint when it started mattering to me. I mean, like it was like five years old, you know, or six years old. So at what point did it matter to you? The status of being a successful business owner was quite important for the reasons that Justin, you pointed out right at the beginning of our conversation, which is... I am a silly, funny, ridiculous person. I didn't say all those things. Well, Come on. basically, that's the way I'm projecting my own yes, views. That's the way you took it. That's the way you took it. I'm basically the person who will not take anything seriously. And so I enjoyed the juxtaposition of being that person and then somebody later on saying, oh, but he owns his own business and it's successful. And like, I quite enjoyed that status part because it, it offset my ridiculousness the silliness, which I just can't help projecting. Why do you feel like you need that validation? Was there some point where you were, you were being silly where it wasn't appropriate for the moment? Oh, totally. Why can't you just be silly? 
Because I think I'm good at subverting the expectation. So I quite like being silly in a business context where the expectation is that you're going to do a serious talk here. Like you're a presenter at this <laughs> conference and you're going to make a joke about poo. Everyone laughs because it's yeah. subverting expectations. Were you the class clown? I wasn't up? the class clown. No, no, no. Not at all. But, but you I'm, didn't want to conform. Like you're, you're not for conformity. I'm quite a conformist. Yeah. It's Are quite, you? I'm actually what a paradox. It's a total paradox. Yeah. I'm a conformist trapped in a non-conformist body. It's like Jekyll and Hyde with you. Like, yeah. It's like Green Day, man. Yeah. Actually, Green Day. This is contradiction. But that's why this project, it really, it, it speaks to what I am. And there is a lot of complexity behind it. Absolutely. Yeah, we were, we were quite impressed when you were, we were, you were explaining how you organize your shows and, and each season, you know, based off of all the different tabs and et cetera, et cetera. I mean, that just shows that it's, it's actually the mosaic of Oscar. You know, it's not the mosaic <laughs> yeah. of China. No, you know? it's, it's the, the mosaic, mosaic of Oscar. Oscar. Oh. Oscar's got a lot going on here. It's very <laughs> specifically, it's very specifically curated. Yes. Yeah. And that if there's any political aspect to what I'm doing, it is that. It's like, I am actually quite passionate about showing people that diversity is a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, hence uh, the name mosaic, right? It has to fit like the DNA of what you're all about. Do you know what? So mosaic wasn't the first name that I came up with. Oh, what was it? What was the first name? <laughs> I had a really good idea, but it ended up being racist. <laughs> oh, Wait, well, you got to share it yeah, now. What's this? In America, you have a game called Telephone, right? Yeah, yeah. The, the idea is that I whisper something into your ear. Yeah. It gets passed on, and then the person at the end will say something, and it, it will end up having been completely different to what was first said, right? Yes. Everyone's nodding. Yeah. In England, that is called Chinese whispers. Oh. Why is it called Chinese whispers? Well... It comes back from, I think, when sort of we're doing the Opium Wars. This is the British, right? And it was in the Qing Empire, where the Qing Empire was in disarray. And it was like how the mandarins of the Qing Empire would communicate and it would get garbled up from one mandarin to the other mandarin. And so it was, uh, you know how when you're at war... Or when you're, you know, just generally yeah. at loggerheads, you would attribute bad you try, qualities. You try to dehumanize the other people. Or just, just if there's a bad thing, you would attribute it to your enemy, right? Right, because you're fi- like, it, if you were practicing understanding of the other culture and c- trying to understand their perspective, then you probably wouldn't be in a war. The fact that yeah. you're in a war is because you think that these people are hopeless. Oh, no, it's, I mean... Look at Trump, he, the China disease. It's, it's, it's the same. It's been going on since Voltaire. This is something which is not new, not just China. It's the West and the East. We always use the other side as a foil as to what we either want to do or what we'd rather avoid. When you look at it from the bigger context, China versus the West. I mean, in America, I think you have something called a Chinese fire alarm. Oh, uh, is it called the Chinese the, fire alarm? The, yeah, the you car, get out of the car. Exactly. It's the around. same racist trope where, oh, the Chinese are panicking and they're going round and round. It's the same thing. Anyway, so it's a, that's a little bit of a detour. But that's why in the end, I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't call it Chinese whispers. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Well, that saved you. You did the research. Imagine if you didn't do the research and today we're talking to Oscar from Chinese whispers. Yeah. Chinese whispers with the season yeah. two Chinese fire alarm. <laughs> yes. yeah. Like, yeah. God. Then you get that post like, Honest Drink is so racist. They invite racist people on the show. Yes. Et cetera, et cetera. Yes. I, I sidestepped that one. Yeah. Well, Oscar, there's, there's a few things I want to unpack with you. Um, you were talking before about like the midlife crisis and this is, you know, some of our earliest episodes were 
revolved around this issue because this is kind of was like one of the genesis that was our catalyst so i just find that really fascinating and i'm wondering from your standpoint of like you know do you would you classify your crisis as a struggle with you know we talked about ego but would it be i guess maybe down to your identity because you're talking about like who you are and these dualities these split sides you have would you boil all that down simply to a sense of identity? Mm. Um, I mean, again, we're in a period where I'm stressed out. I've stressed myself out. So I don't know how I would answer this question in a different time. But right now, the timing is such that I'm stuck in China for two years. And I wonder to what extent that is the underlying reason why I am really going crazy. Because... I've lived in Asia now for 18 years. And until now, it's always been a plus. Whatever my baseline is, me living in Asia, add something to it. It's just always been an augmentation of my ideas, the things that otherwise I wouldn't think about. I can look at Europe, I can look at the States from an inside-outside perspective that I've always enjoyed in a way that I know that if I was still in my day job in London, I wouldn't really have the wherewithal. I wouldn't have the tools to even know how to question my own culture. Now that I have not been able to set foot outside of China for one day in two years, for the first time, I feel like it's becoming a minus. It's a, it's a weird thing that I can't articulate. I've just started to think of it in these terms. Can recently. you put your finger on it in terms of it's what a, it might be? It's a pressure valve that needs to be released for me. When I've lived in Asia, I've always, you know, you, we, we have thought of it as a, a right almost that, you know, every three or four months we can go to a different place, reset, and then look forward to coming home to China. I would even say it in those terms, or home to if I lived in Hong Kong or when I was in Singapore or when I was in Japan, I'm coming home and I'm looking forward to my home and my life in this country. I never, never use the word expat. There's no distinction between me and another economic migrant. I'm just a migrant. I've chosen to be here for economic reasons. This is my home. Without that pressure valve being released, the negativity of being in any strong culture, and China is a strong culture, especially right now, is, I think, building up, which is, I think, the main reason why I'm not just skipping down the road, you know, happy-go-lucky. And you've talked about this on the podcast too, because we are in the world of content production. And that puts me in a situation where I'm responsible for putting things out into the world. And my mindset is not in the same place that it was two years ago. So perhaps that's what's making me question, like, what am I doing? This is, this is what a midlife crisis is. It's what am I doing? And why am I doing it, right? Or maybe you're just getting a little bit of cabin fever. Yeah, right? it's not just cabin fever. I mean, I told, you, you're right. I'm not, I don't want to talk over you. It's, it, it's more than just that. Because it, it, it's tied in with what I'm doing day in, day out. Which is presenting this case for understanding cross-cultural communication and fun at a time when perhaps I'm not entirely having the most fun, you know? That's something which I don't think I can change. I love being in China and I love escaping China. And when one of those outlets is not open to me, then I feel that this is the first time in 18 years that I feel like I'm missing out on not being elsewhere in the world right now. So I'm just at a crunch point. Well, how, how has being a Brit 
and having the experiences and spending the time you have in China and seeing it as a a home, how how has your perspective changed over time? You feel. So with this going back to identity, so you said being a Brit, I am a British citizen, but my family were refugees from the Czech and Slovak republics, or Czechoslovakia as it was in '68. We're also Jewish, so that's part of my identity. I'm gay. That's I mean, all of these parts of my identity they mean that I'm ne- I'm never really feel like I'm an insider. I mean, I'm I've never really been the Brit. I've I've been the the weird weird Brit with the with a name that sounds weird. I mean, my name is not English, so I've never really felt like I've changed. When I've been here, I've been able to skirt above mainstream society when it suits me or delve into some kind of mainstream society when it suits me. That's kind of how I've lived my life anywhere in the world, which I guess is why, you know, I am this diversity person. I mean, it's just part of who I am. And at the same time, I've created this identity of being the China guy, right? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I think at least uh, the reason why I asked my question is because on the previously on, on shows we've discussed our our identities as um, Asian Americans uh, living here, um, sometimes feeling lost in between both sides. Um, but you being in Asia for eighteen years, um, to generalize, being a white guy, right? Like, how do you to identify? Be racist. <laughs> being a racist white guy, yeah. Come on, give, give no, no, my no, full no, title. He's, he's like, <laughs> I'm be- just to be racist, a white, a white guy, guy. <laughs> right? Um, uh, but just like finding that identity, being here for 18 years, yeah. talking with, I'm sure, a very diverse group of family, friends from past and now, you know, f- like, where does that, where do you sit now because of the climate, yeah. the recent climate? Yeah. I mean, it's something where maybe I have a different experience to you. And, yeah, yeah. You know, in one of my episodes, it was the finale of season two. I talked with um, somebody who had transitioned. We're talking about gender. And that was a fascinating story in a way that made me think about my experience. Because the thing about people who have transitioned is, it's a controversial topic, but it's the word passing. So if you can pass as the gender which you feel, then that allows you to get through life without coming under too much external pressure. That's, that's what passing means. So if someone who has transitioned or is in the process of transitioning if they pass for the gender that they feel, then they are in a privileged position. Like a Thomas Jefferson's um, children with Sally Hemings, there were a couple of them that could pass as white men. That's it. So there's a racial version of it. There's a gender version of it. All kinds of things manifested like you, in different people ways. People will, you can, if you decide to act that way, you can pass and be considered by someone else as part of that tribe. Right. It's so legitimacy. Can, that's all it is. Yeah. It, it, it yeah. is. And then... All of this is to talk about you guys in China. You can pass. So you have a lot more flexibility because when you want to, you can pass as a Chinese person. Whereas I'm a walking advert for who I am. And I think that's a different aspect that maybe, you know, because you are all American Asians, that's the diversity aspect that you might lack in your perspectives of living in China. Now, it's not, it's not a terrible ex- experience to live in China as a white person. It's fine. But it's you do understand the microaggressions. You do understand that. And I, I mean, let me put it this way. 
if I ever got involved in a situation where the police were involved, there is no way I would imagine the police would be on my side. Like, I'm in trouble here. Which I think a Chinese person listening to that would go, what do you mean? The police, they're they're here just to be safe. What are you talking about? you're You're just, you're this aggressive white person, whatever. In exactly the same way that a black person in America would feel about the police. It gives you this perspective, which you would never have had. And just the the way that, okay, let's say it was a year ago now, I was in Lijiang Airport and it was post-COVID and there was this table set up and they were pointing to everyone who did not look Chinese to come and sign extra paperwork. I was with an Asian American, but I was the one who had to go and sign the extra stuff. It's nothing. I, I had to walk through Jing'an Park. I went all the way through Jing'an Park before the guard came and dragged me back all the way to the front. I was almost at the end, but he dragged me all the way to the front. He was like, no, we have to get out of the park. Tiny things like that affect your experience where it's not life-threatening. In in other parts of the world, it could be life-threatening. But I think that's where I would say to your answer about my identity in China, it's absolutely fine. I have a privileged existence here. But I get, I just get the strong sense, no matter where I go in China, that, you know, this is, China is for the Chinese right now. I don't want to bash on China for this one aspect and these tiny little things that happened in two years, because I still love being in China. But yeah, it's, it's palpable. And especially without this escape, it, that, that's what starts to build up. Well, it feels like it's intensifying given yeah. the political climate. Totally. Yeah. Well, even yesterday we were discussing... we had a whole conversation. um, I mean, we don't have to go too deep about it, but um, I'll use myself as an Asian American holding a U.S. passport. Um, I'm already feeling some of the... Like when people find out that I am American, right? There's already this little bit of like, ooh. You know what I mean? Like, hmm, should we work together? Or, you know what I mean? Like that kind of feel, like this underlying prejudice almost. Mm-hmm. And even being Chinese mm. looking, ethnically Chinese. Um, I mean, as a joke, we're, I was saying like, because uh, on my bio, when I was a director, I have to send out my bio, you know, to get jobs and stuff like that. It's it's clearly states in the first line, I'm born in America, and et cetera, et cetera. It's like, should I take that out? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like maybe I should take it out because these days the climate, it's a lot more sensitive, you know, being an American, especially as an American, Australian, American, UK. You know, yeah. Like. Yeah. And this is a self erasure. I mean, this is when people talk about erasure. That's, that's exactly what you're literally erasing your identity to be able to pass. It's not a comfortable decision, but of course there's no black and white. I think in every interaction, we are making very quick decisions based on, okay, to what extent do I reveal that part of my identity or not, right? And this ties into like, because as you were, you gave me a new perspective, like talking to you and I, and I didn't never really realized it before. But when you were talking about your identity, when I, you know, called you a Brit and you're like, well, I'm many other things, including a Brit, but Mm. I'm Jewish, I'm gay, I'm a lot of things. And it struck me and it was a revelation to me because we've talked about the idea of third culture, right? And from our personal experiences, you know, we've talked before about this feeling of thinking, feeling like we are third culture kids because yeah. of our, you know, we're from the States, but we're living in China and we don't feel like we are fully 100% accepted in either place. And that puts us in this kind of third culture space 
or we feel like maybe we're a little lost. We don't know what home is necessarily. And when you were talking about your own identity, I feel like that is just even more of like even more dynamic yeah. of a situation, yeah. given all the things that you identify with. And so, how do you deal with this feeling of identity, feeling of belonging, feeling of like what your tribe is, what your home is? All that comes into play, and I, I yeah, I can't, I can't really imagine like how it feels for you. You're right. When I listen to your podcast, going back to the whole podcast conversation, you say third culture. I, I would call your, your perspective quite binary. You are China versus America, which is great. But when you say that and then you, you talk in terms of West versus East, that's when I think, is this West versus East? This is just China, US. I appreciate it when you say China versus US, which are your two perspectives. But I've lived in four different places in Asia. Everything is nuanced, right? Yeah. So it, it, it is a really weird place to be. In one way, it's a gift because I can look at things from 13 different angles in a way that that's my superpower, actually. And of course, the same superpower is, is a big weakness because, yeah, I, I can never relate to people in a way that, look, I'm your people, so listen to me. You know, this is what we should all be thinking because no, you know, no one really relates in the same way. I'm a European from Eastern Europe and the UK. I, I've lived in Germany. I married an American. He's Californian. And we met in Asia. It means that I fit everywhere and I fit nowhere. Well, that's beautiful, though, to me. Like, the, I, that, I feel like that, that should be the, the way we should be moving towards. Kind of, but... As yeah. a society. But... What I was saying was you fit everywhere, but you fit nowhere at the same time. That's, yeah. that's the dichotomy. That's, again, it's this duality. Yeah. Well, I appreciate your point there. Um, you know, from our perspective, and it's, 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 it's just the dialogue that's really important because, like, you know, then we could take this judgmental view over the years that, oh, like, Caucasian people can get away with anything in China, right? And they have certain privileges and stuff like that. And Which is generally true. It's, it's yeah. true. But yeah. it's important for us to get your perspective, like, there's always like a microscope in some ways on you because visually you're identifiable. Then I think the other point is that like we're navigating this multicultural world, right? And connectivity, um, there's more and more connectivity. You used to build a road from A to B, from B to C, and eventually you could get from A to C, and it's very, very linear, point A to point B. But with connectivity now, you can literally draw a line from any point to any other point. And so where is the responsibility kind of lie? So we're navigating this very complex world. And we're sometimes we're going to be the majority, right? We're going to have the force of the majority. We're going to be like in the in-group, in the in-tribe, and we don't have to think about things because we can just blend in with the masses. And sometimes we're going to be part of the minority and we're going to face certain types of headwinds. Um, and almost everyone experiences that. Even if you're a white Caucasian wasp in the US, like they have inner voices too. <laughs> and so everyone is going to paint themselves as a victim sometimes. And so I think the question is, okay, how do we have the dialogue? Because what I was thinking earlier was that we, Justin, myself, and Howie have the benefit of each other. We can talk through these things. And we use the show as self-therapy and self-reflection. Yeah. And we use the show as a collective identity because we're not alone. And you're in a way, you're alone. But I think it's like, how do we create this positive, supportive, open framework, because it's really important to know 
that you're not alone. So I think it's like, then how do you look forward, right? How do we、um, create a support network and plan so that we can be mentally healthy and happy about ourselves? That's what I think we're both doing with our projects. It's, it is about putting that message out there. And you do have the advantage of having the three of you, and mine、mm-hmm. is much more solitary. But I do, when I meet every guest, I mean, I do get that energy. It's just not as intimate as what you can do over the course of two years, just day in, day out, meeting each other. I think the idea of connectivity is a tricky one because that was the ideal of what the internet would be, right? We would all be connected, and then it would be this marketplace of ideas where the best ideas would come out. But the problem with connectivity is that we connect with what we already. Feel is correct.、Mm-hmm. And then we go into our echo chambers and we only are connecting with the ones who agree with our own ideas. So, you know, that word is a bit triggering because it's not working. You know, it's what, it's what the world should have been. And we can send garbage down the network with ease now,、mm. which is a problem. That's the problem. So, all, I mean, all we can do, yes, is, I mean, the way forward is to do what we're doing, you know, and to have open dialogues and to put out stuff that helps to bridge. The misunderstandings that are from point A to Z. Let's cure this, guys. Okay, yeah, the four、yeah. of us. Okay, let's, let's hold hands. hands. Hold hands. <laughs> let's sing a song. We're going to solve this. We're going to solve well, this. Well, can I, can I end with a quote? Please do. All right.、Um, the quote I wanted to share is from Thomas Jefferson. And he just said, How much pain they have cost us, the evils which have never happened. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of almost similar to the idea of like, like nine out of 10 of your concerns are unfounded. Exactly. Right. Um, yeah, and I do want to one final point that I do want to stress that maybe was lost, I think, in this conversation was that we like to be critical of, of a lot of different places that were wherever we are. But at the same time, like my pet peeve is like, we're also where we are, we're, we're, we're living off of the privileges of that place and that culture.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I want to be balanced. To our approach and looking and hearing from all different perspectives, especially including yours, Oscar. You're right. You're both right. Yeah. It's something where it's nice to hear you say it and articulate it because it's something which you're absolutely right. We are privileged to be here in this point of time. It's, it's a nice place to end this conversation. And I do agree with you. I mean, this, this whole thing with pessimism, right? Like, I think, that, like, internally, I hold a lot of pessimism. My inner voice. You know, I have a very loud inner voice that's full of pessimism. So when I hear pessimism outside of me, I immediately recognize it and I, my, my, my optimistic voice fights it. And so where, while I'm poor at fighting my inner voice and pessimism inside, I'm a crusader against any kind of、uh, pessimism <laughs> that happens outside. And so I think you'll find that some of the most pessimistic people, they come across really optimistic because they're trying to fight that fight. I agree.、Know? And this is kind of the dynamic that I love about your podcast because I wouldn't have the forum to bring out this pessimism. Like, it's not something which I talk about.、Yeah. This is why I like your podcast, and I believe others do too, because it is a forum that you can bring out stuff that I would never say on my own podcast, you know, and I wouldn't say this publicly in, you know, elsewhere. And that's thanks to you guys. So I <laughs> want to say once again, thank you for what you do. Continue with your optimistic podcast. I do appreciate it. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you, Oscar. Thank it was、you. a pleasure speaking to you,、um, sharing with you. Good luck on everything. Where can people find you, Oscar? So, the podcast is everywhere. You can find the website. The website actually has transcripts. So, if you're not good、wow. at English, you can、wow. follow the that transcripts. That is great. I know、yeah. a lot of our listeners like that. So, it's hard to do, it、yeah. takes time. You also have additional content, and there's a lot of different 
Yes. So I've tried to be creative in terms of like giving the most loyal people who listen some extra content. So you can go on something called iFadien, where you can get for every episode, there's a longer version of every episode, yes. which is 10 to 15 minutes longer. That's great. That was awesome. Once again, thanks, Oscar. It was a pleasure. Cheers. 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 All right. Peace. Oh, wait, we're going to, do we say who we are? No, but you should. We always do that. Go on, do it. Do Why it, are you breaking it, tradition, okay. Justin? Well, 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 we we don't do that. Ritual. Right, Ritual is important to these guys. That was Oscar. I'm Justin. <laughs> I'm pretty optimistic today. And I am neutral today. Peace. I didn't know the dark would come out so bad. Like, oh my God. Like, I think it's the gym.